So, good morning, everybody. Good morning. And good morning to everybody in the room, too. When I looked at the verses I was being asked to preach on this morning, it brought a smile to my face. It made me remember the first time I actually looked at these verses properly before. And I'm going to tell the story because it's worth telling. It was several years ago, many years ago, when I belonged to a different church. I was asked to go out on a mission to the church we were linked to in the Ukraine. The church was in Donetsk. Donetsk is, well, was, I don't know if it still is, but it was linked to Sheffield because it has steelworks and coal mines. And our church was connected to this church in Donetsk. So we were going out mainly to help run their summer school. I was going out as a mother figure for five teenage girls who were going to work with the children and young people. There was a bloke in his 20s who was going out to do the same thing for the, the young boys who were going. And there was a man who was going to lead the whole thing and do the Bible studies and the teaching for the adults. So off we went. I could talk just for an hour about the journey, so I promise I won't do that. But there were some highlights, or rather lowlights. Um, they got the wrong tickets, so we were definitely cattle class. We were on a train from Kiev, which we flew into, uh, for 15 hours to get to Donetsk. But we didn't have anything to sleep on, and we were just sat in a carriage. Um, there was myself and the five girls, and several lovely Ukrainian ladies, who obviously we couldn't really talk to, but they were really lovely. The only problem was that they made soup for the whole journey on open Caligas lighter heater things in the middle of the compartment with bubbly soup on the top. And it did make sleep rather difficult because you were a bit worried that the whole fire was going to go over or the soup was going to go over or anyway. And then there was only one loo for the whole carriage and that blocked after an hour. So it made the whole thing quite exciting. And also another reason why I wasn't sleeping much was that um, as we were getting on this train, the bloke who was leading this mission said to me, Tina, I find I'm going to be quite busy this week. You know, there's a lot to do. So I wonder, would you do some of the Bible studies? Now, you have to remember that I belonged to this church who women were only allowed to teach Sunday school and other women. And even in my home group, I wasn't allowed really to do Bible studies, even though I did. To be then asked to be leading Bible studies for a whole church using an interpreter uh, was a little bit of a shock. As a good Christian girl, I had a Bible, but very little else. And the passage I was going to have to teach was the Beatitudes. That's why I smile. I tell you this story as well, because when we got to this place in the forest where we were going for the summer school, I can honestly tell you that it was the worst experience of my whole life, the actual place. In the days of the communist regime, 
big factories had a place in the forests away from the main city where their people, their workers and their families could go for a week's holiday. And the pastor of the church knew one of the factory owners and so he was allowed to take his church for one week to this site in the forest. Uh, how can I describe it? Uh, it was a little bit like just a concrete block. Uh, most of the windows were broken. Uh, there was glass everywhere. They had to clear all the glass before we started to move in. Um, I'm going on about toilets again, I know, but there were 50 people on our landing and there was one toilet. The shower was outside with a bucket tree outside. Um, we slept on the floor, myself and the five girls and the two lady interpreters in a very small room. Um, the food was, well, you know, the food. And I can honestly tell you, it was a terrible situation. But I can honestly tell you as well that it was the most moving and it made the deepest impression on me that anything in my whole Christian war has made. Those people, when we talk about salt and light, were truly salt and light. They just showed the love of God to each other, to us, to all around them. The light of Jesus literally shone out of them. This week in that place to us Western people was a dis awful. To them, it was a dream come true. They left their horrible, hard lives in Donetsk and came to this glade in the forest. And to them, this was the reason for surviving the rest of the year, to come to this place in the forest. Their love, as I say, for each other, their love for Jesus. We used to, it was very difficult because obviously we used interpreters all the time. But at night, we sat out under the lights, I can still remember it so clearly, and we just tried to talk, they sang, they prayed. They were the most wonderful witnesses for the love of God. They were so poor in worldly terms, but in God's eyes, they were truly rich. When I tried teaching the Beatitudes in a very poor way, Really, these people just spoke the Beatitudes. They were the disciples that Jesus wanted them to be, wanted us to be. They truly lived out these beautiful words. So let's just look at them very quickly. I'm sure many of you know them very well. If we set the scene, Jesus had been teaching for a while and he was, uh, he was definitely the flavour of the month. The crowds were building and building and building. And one day he just had to just take his disciples to one side. Maybe he needed time to pray, I'm sure he did. Maybe he just wanted to have time with them and say, 
this is what it's going to be like. This is what it is like to be a disciple. You are blessed, but there are many trials ahead. But God is with you. You are blessed. I almost like the, the old-fashioned way of saying blessed. Blessed. It's more than happy. Because you have been saved, because you are my disciples, you have peace, you have joy, you have hope, you are blessed. You're blessed because you're poor in spirit. You know, you know how far you have to go. You know where you are and where you should be. You're blessed as you mourn. You mourn where you are spiritually. You mourn for the things in your life that are wrong. You mourn with others when they're sad. But you are blessed. You're blessed when you're meek. No acting, you're meek. You know yourself. You see yourself as God sees you. Humble sensible to all you are and then perhaps you can be more patient and more understanding of others and as you realize your lack of spiritual growth where you mourn when you understand yourself you're truly meek and humble then of course you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You hunger and thirst for that relationship with God that you want, that you need. You want to be closer to him. You're blessed when you show mercy to others. Then you can be forgiven. You're blessed when you're pure in heart. Again, no play acting sincere, truthful, pure in heart. You're blessed when you're a peacemaker, when you reconcile difficult situations. You're blessed. And you're blessed when you're persecuted. Jesus said, didn't he, take up your cross and follow me. Life as a disciple is going to be full of trials and challenges. But you're blessed. You're blessed because you have been saved. And God is with you. I love the, something I read. It said, being blessed, yes, is full of hope and joy and peace. Hope is joy resting and joy is hope dancing. Hope is joy resting and joy is hope dancing. So those verses, what a disciple's life should be like. But how can disciples then and now, us, how can we influence the world around us? 
wonder if we could have verses 13 to 16 up, Andy, if it's possible. Thank you. If it's not, don't worry about it. So how can we influence the world? I've been, I've been a bit challenged myself this week about how to put this. Whether to go with what I, I've been praying and God's been, if you like, nudging me to say this. But it's not easy. So this is the challenging bit. So far it's just been a nice story about me and Donetsk and whipping through some verses that you know already. But now this is the challenging bit. And it is challenging. I've read that after the Second World War, when all was destruction, buildings, people's lives, everything was flat and empty and weary and gone. But there was so much hope. There, there was an idealistic hope for the future. Things could be different because there was nothing. It, you could just build on it now. But then as the years went by and it got harder and harder, people became disillusioned. And then, well, we're, where we are. Or where we were, perhaps. Because let's be honest, I sometimes think that after the pandemic, are we on the verge of something similar? Okay, the buildings aren't destroyed, but so many lives have been shattered. We don't know what's to come, but when all the, the grants and things end and there's more and more people without work, people have lost people, people have suffered breakdown in relationships, the loneliness, the illnesses that haven't been found, all the rest of it. There is a f almost like a ground zero. Lives have been changed forever because of the pandemic. And are we at a stage where we could think, gosh, we could change things. We could change things. Is it too much? It, you know, this is why I've been challenging myself. You know, Am I just being idealistic, like after the Second World War? You know, is it all just too big a problem? How can we do it? But Jesus sat on that hillside, surrounded by those Palestinian peasants, and asked them, told them, he wanted them to make a change in the world. What about us now? We sit in this place. What could we do environmentally? We don't have to keep getting in aeroplanes and flying around the world. Justly sharing what we have with the poor, with those countries who have nothing. If it starts with the vaccine, then please let it start with the vaccine. How can we make this point in our time something wonderful? I don't want to look back in a few years and have gone back to where we were. I don't want that disillusionment. What can we do? How can we, how can we move forward? And Jesus says he wanted his disciples to be salt and light. Salt, yes, it adds flavour. But salt is also 
quite harsh and biting. If you've ever had it in a wound, you know what I mean. It also stops decay. In those days with the Bible, of course, it was used for preserving meat. It stops decay. And salt actually doesn't just stop being salty unless it's contaminated with other things, unless it's polluted with other things. Just think about that. Can we be salt in our world? And can we be light? A light in, in that dark world, that rotten world we, we live in, in all that evil and darkness, can, can we somehow be light? Can we bring light? Can we point, shine that light to God and show him to other people? Can we be light? Can we be salt? Is it too much? Is it too much to ask? My prayer for myself from when I've started reading these verses again this week, and I want it to continue, and I, I ask you to pray too, is how can we be the disciples we should be, that God wants us to be, in these days to come? How can we bring about change? First of all, I, I know I've got to look at myself and live the disciple life that he wants me to lead. Remembering those people in the Ukraine and the light that just shone out of their lives. So poor in the world's eyes, so rich in God's eyes. I can't emulate them. I thank God, I'll be honest with you. I thank God I didn't live those lives they led. And even now I read yesterday that the Russian tanks are on the Ukrainian border again. Their, their lives, no. But God has put me in the place I am. I'm here. I'm me. I live in my world. What can I be? What sort of disciple can I be? What can I do to bring change? To those, first of all, just who I know, who are around me, how can... How can I do it? But then, bigger than that, how can our church bring about change? How can we bring about change? Please, Lord, help us to dream dreams. Help us to be the disciples you want us to be. How can we change this world? We have the chance now. We have flat what can we build? Just a verse that I found in John 15, verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Lord, please help us to live good Christian lives, bringing blessing on ourselves, salvation to others, and ultimately glory to you, Father. Amen. <laughs>